in life, as we grow up, as we're maturing, we need leaders in our lives. Like, we're not just, you know, I wouldn't just leave my kids to their own devices and be like, hey guys, figure life out, right? That would be ugly. Uh, this is true, especially in education. So I'm a teacher, as you know. Um, and I don't just, like, leave my students' education up to them. If I did, like, if I was just in the room, be like, all right, guys, learn, and then left the room and expected them to do it, it would be a nightmare. Like, fires would get set in the room, uh, you know, fights would break out. There'd be a couple kids who really wanted to learn, who were, like, trying to learn in the midst of the chaos that was going on in there. Uh, but most of the kids would just be like, you know what? Dunkin' Donuts sounds pretty good right about now, and they'd leave. We would not leave kids' education, we would not leave their lives up to them with no leadership in their life, without somebody to lead them, to teach them how to make wise decisions, how to learn, how to live. We wouldn't leave them on their own, leaderless. I want you to know that God doesn't do that with us either. So in this sermon series, God, the Holy Spirit, and His work, we were talking about different roles that the Holy Spirit plays. And one of them is to lead you through this walk, through this life as a Christian. God didn't leave us on our own. Be like, all right, guys, you're saved. Figure it out from here. No, He gives us His Holy Spirit to lead us. If you'll turn with me to Romans 8, and it'll be on the board here as well. But Romans 8, we're going to read verses 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So our passage starts with this stern warning to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Well, what does that mean? Well, we see in the Bible that the flesh is set against God's will. So the flesh is our sinful nature, that which we are born into. When we are born uh, and as we grow up, we have this desire to do the wrong thing to do opposite of what God would have us do. For example, God tells us to love our enemies. The flesh tells us, crush your enemies. Love them? Are you kidding me? No. Our flesh wants to do the opposite. God tells us to walk in holiness, to walk in purity, in sexual purity. The flesh says no. The flesh craves sexual immorality. And so we have these two competing things. God's will versus our flesh. It says here that we are to put those deeds to death. And it says we're to do it 
by the Spirit. So we have God's Holy Spirit to lead us in holiness. And I think it's really important to realize that we have to put those deeds of the flesh to death by the Spirit. It has to be done by the Spirit. We've got to use the right tool. Right? You want to use the right tool to get the job done. So when I was uh, 17, I worked for a, a water department. And this other kid and I, it was our summer job, we were supposed to go around to all the water holding facilities and the treatment facilities, and we were supposed to mow those areas. And I say mow, but the fact is like, there's hundreds of acres of land, so we really had tractors with big brush hogs on the back. And we had a truck and a trailer that we would transport those uh, tractors around on. Uh, this trailer had a safety pin that you had to get in as the hitch went over the ball. It went right in behind there to keep the trailer hitch from bouncing off when you hit a bump in the road. But if you didn't have that thing lined up just right, the pin would get stuck kind of half in and half out, and you couldn't, get, you couldn't push it in, and you couldn't really pull it out, and you needed a hammer. And it happened quite a bit, like it was really sensitive. So you had to get the hammer out and pound that pin in. Well, one day we'd gotten to a job site without a hammer somehow. And sure enough, it happens to be one of the times we can't get that safety pin in there. So I'm looking around. There's no big rocks. There's nothing. For some reason, though, in the bed of this pickup truck, we have two brand new shocks. And I'm sure the shocks were for the truck. But I'm like, that shock looks like a hammer to me now. So I take that shock out and I start wailing on that safety pin trying to get it in. And you know what happened? The pin didn't budge. I ruined this really nice shock. It was bent at like a 90 degree angle by the time I was done. And the pin was no closer to going into where it should be. Because it was totally the wrong tool for the job. A shock is meant to absorb blows as you're driving down the road, not be used as a hammer. Well, sometimes in our spiritual lives, we do the same thing. Where we need a hammer, we're using a shock. And what I mean by that is we try and overcome sin by our self-will. We say, I'm going to do this. I'm stronger than this. I can overcome this sin. Whatever the sin may be. Like, I have the willpower to do it. But our willpower is the wrong tool to do that with. Said we should be putting those things to death by the Holy Spirit. So that looks very much different than willpower. It looks like us praying to God to help us through that. It looks like us reading Scripture in order to overcome that sin. Not sitting there going, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. That doesn't work. That's like swinging that shock. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us to lead us in holiness. To put to death these deeds of the flesh. Why? So that we may live, it says. Because if you're living according to those deeds of the flesh, if you are living on, by that sinful nature, it says you must die. On the other hand, we have life in the Holy Spirit and we can put those deeds to death. And then the Spirit, it says, as we continue on there, that this Spirit we've been given is not a spirit of slavery. 
So I talked about just a minute ago that we are born in this sinful state. We are born as slaves into sin, and therefore we rightfully fear God. People in that state rightfully are afraid of God because they know in that situation they are under God's judgment. But the Holy Spirit is different. It's not a spirit of slavery. It says it's a spirit of adoption. So that instead of being afraid of God and running away from Him, we can instead call out to Him. We can call Him our Father. It's an amazing thing to think about. When you think of all the sin you've done against God, from the time you were first conscious of it till now, if you think of all that sin... And all that separation because of that we have between God and ourselves, that because of what Jesus did on the cross, because He died and paid for those sins on the cross, that we can suddenly have this restored relationship. And through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit draws us to God. And by the Holy Spirit, we can cry out to our Father. So the Holy Spirit leads us in this relationship with God the Father. That makes a huge difference because in life, you can do amazing things. You can live life the right way knowing that your father loves you. So I think of my earthly father who is here in attendance today. It's not very often he's here, but he is here. Um, It's because he lives in Colorado, not because he's a bad dad. (laughs) I want to make that clear. Um, But uh, uh, he probably has no idea these stories are coming. So (laughs) sorry, dad. Um, (laughs) But... It makes such a difference in life knowing that you have a father that you can go to who loves you as their child no matter what. I think of when I was a senior in high school and I told everybody I was going to this Division II school where I wanted to play football and it like all of a sudden doubts started creeping in like what if football doesn't work out and it's in this town in southern Colorado that is in the middle of a desert, literally, and there's nothing around it for miles. Like, you can see 60 miles in all directions, and there's nothing there. And I'm like, man, but I've told everybody I'm going there. You know, like, this is, the, and I, I've applied there, and I should keep in mind that this is April of my senior year. Like, I'm graduating in six weeks. I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was I knew I could go to my dad, and I started talking to my dad. My dad was like, you know, you don't have to go there. Like, there are better places to go to school. He's like, you have the grades, you have our support, why don't you go where you want to? And I wanted to go to Duke, but apparently their deadline was March 1st of that year, and it was like April 10th. Uh, So I applied to Colorado State. It was my number two. Got in, you know, had a great time, great four years there came to faith in Christ there. Um, All sorts of great things happened there. But I was able to do that because I knew that no matter what, my dad loved me, that he was going to give me good advice as I asked, and no matter what my choice was, that my dad accepted me and loved me, and I knew I could go to him. And it happened about five years after that when Sarah and I were dating at the time, and, you know, getting married is a big decision, right? Like, that's scary. There's a lot of fear kind of involved in that. Like, man, well, number one, I hope she says yes. Number two, you know, I hope I don't screw this up. This is one of those things you want to get right. So I went to my dad, and uh, 
my dad was like, he put it out real clear to me, but I knew I could go to him because he loved me. And he was like, you love her, right? Yep. She loves you, right? Yep. You both love the Lord, right? Yep. Check, check, check. He's like, marry her. So a couple months later, I proposed. And a few months after that, we were married. But I was able to make those big decisions and walk in confidence because I knew that I had a father I could go to who loved me. And the Holy Spirit leads us to that same place with God, our Father. That we can go to Him, that we can go and cry out to Him knowing that we are His children and that He loves us. And we don't have to run from Him when we're scared and when we have big decisions in life, but instead we can and should be running to Him, crying out to Him. So the Holy Spirit leads us to God the Father and leads us in relationship with God the Father. It's important to remember that He loves us as children because there are times in life He is going to have to lead us through tough circumstances. Life is not all sunshine and rainbows, unfortunately. There is going to be times that are very, very hard. But we can trust that God, our Father, loves us, and that even though it's hard for that time, He is doing it for our good, ultimately. We're told that God works all things together for the good of those who love them. doesn't mean all things are going to be easy, but He loves us as a father loves their children, better than our earthly fathers loved us, better than we as fathers and mothers will ever love our children here. God loves us. And so we can go through those tough times trusting that. And that brings me to the final point, that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us through tough times. He is going to lead us through suffering, and ultimately He's going to lead us to glory through that suffering. Because the call of a Christian is to suffer. There are times in our lives where things are going to seem miserable and we're going to want to question and be like, why am I here? If you look at the life of Jesus, right? Jesus, perfectly sinless, the Son of God, comes down, the man that we follow, the Son of God, Jesus. If He went through all of that suffering, we're going to do the same as we follow Him. Now, our suffering will look different, certainly. You know, if you think about Jesus, He suffered rejection, right? His family even at one point was like, what are you doing preaching this? This is crazy, right? The leaders of the towns He lived in were like, this guy, we got to get rid of him. He's dangerous, this Jesus. Then He was betrayed by one of the twelve that was closest to Him and was arrested and beaten, and scourged, and finally crucified. And if we follow in His steps, then there are going to be times of suffering as He suffered. He warned His disciples that that if they're going to do that to me, they're going to do it to you as well. And so I don't want us to think that this is just going to be a perfectly easy life, and that if we're suffering, something must be wrong. 
Because that's a dangerous theology, and it's a, a delusional theology, really. And, but there are preachers out there preaching that if something is wrong in your life, there's sin, and there's this and that, and if you're walking perfectly, then there will be no suffering. And that's not true. It is not true at all. To be a Christian will mean to suffer. And I want to vary this a little bit because our suffering is going to look very different. We have brothers and sisters living in this world who will suffer physically. They will be beaten. They will be tortured. They will be beheaded and executed in a number of ways in this life. And our suffering is probably going to look different. I've got to be honest. You know, that's a whole different suffering than the type of suffering that we will most likely go to, through. You know, our suffering will look much more like being socially unaccepted. You might be the loner of the group because you hold to a certain view, to a Christian worldview. And even in loving people, they're still going to reject you. Again, they did it to Jesus, and He loved people perfectly. They rejected Him. It'll be the same for us. So are you prepared to suffer? Are you prepared to maybe not take the dishonest route that would help you get along better in your career? Because you've been called to act differently. You've been called to be honest, to honor God in everything you do. Maybe that will mean a promotion you don't get. Maybe that will mean a pay raise you don't get. Again, that's a different kind of suffering. But it is something we need to be aware of so that when that time comes, we are willing to suffer through that and stay true. And that is what we have the Holy Spirit for. To lead us through those difficult times. To remind us of the words God has said. That He loves us no matter what. And that He works all these things out for our good no matter what. Even if we don't see it here in this lifetime now, we will see it in eternity. <clears throat> That's the last thing I want to leave us with is that we should be focused on that. On eternity as we go through these tough things. The next verse in Romans, which we don't have up there, but the next verse in Romans is Paul saying that I do not consider the sufferings of this time, this life, to be worthy of the glory that's going to be revealed next. At the completion of everything. Jesus will be fully glorified and amazingly enough, we will be there with Him. Fellow heirs, it says. When we did none of the work, Jesus did it all. He lived the perfect life. He died the death for us and rose again, and yet we get to be part of that. It's amazing. It's a, we have to keep our mind on that prize. Miracle is one of my favorite movies. If you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, it's about the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. Big hockey fan. But those guys, if you watch the practices, and they did a good job, I thought, of this in the film. Herb Brooks was tough on them. That dude coached them, and he ran them in the ground. At one point, they all remember him saying, I can't promise that you'll be the most talented team, but I can promise you that you'll be the best conditioned team 
when we get to the Olympics. And there's one famous incident that they portray in the movie they'd lost or they tied to Norway. And Norway is a terrible hockey country. You might think it's a great hockey country because it's cold. They've only had like 20 people ever make the NHL there. Not a good hockey country. They tie, and he keeps them after that, and he just skates them into the ground. They're doing suicides, and the guys, we're talking like some of the best athletes in the world, right? These guys are falling over. They're puking. They're going through all the suffering because Herb Brooks knows that there's glory if they do it. And he leads them through that. And they were doing that for what? The glory of a gold medal? The glory, the temporary glory of people who know they did it? But man, you talk to my students, they're like, 1980? Dude, you weren't even born then, were you? I'm like, no, actually I wasn't. They're like, then why do you care? Like that glory has already, you know, faded. In, in, some, in the minds of hockey people, it's still there. But as a whole, that glory has faded. But they were willing to go through that kind of suffering for that glory, for temporary glory. Shouldn't we be much more willing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit through that suffering in order to receive eternal glory? A glory that will never be taken because Jesus earned it, not us. So Restoration Road, I have great news for you. That God has not left us on our own to figure out this life and its twists and turns on our own. Instead, He has given us His Holy Spirit to lead us to Him, to lead us through suffering, and to ultimately lead us to glory with Jesus Christ. Pray with me.